0: All right, welcome in to RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. This is the Monday, November 14th edition, and we've got a lot to get into, so we're just going to dive right in. We, we're going to do our normal format as well as go over some futures plays, make a few futures plays, and uh, see if we can find a gym. And Griffin uh, Warner, who joins me, hello Griffin, how are you? I'm good. How are you AJ? I'm not too bad. This is a, uh, a an exercise we did last year and you've got our results from last year. Why don't you share those with the people? I do.
1: Um so not all bad. Um happy to say that AJ all of your tournament picks made the tournament. Uh you had Texas 14 to 1, Illinois 22 to 1 and Tennessee 40 to 1. All went out in the round of 32. Uh, which is, very, uh, poetic. Um, I was a little bit more all over the place. Uh, Houston was my first pick at 30 to one. They finished in the, in the elite eight, uh, despite losing their entire backcourt. So don't know how that one got there, but love it. And, uh, they're on that list this year for sure. Uh, then I took USC. who was like, I was championing them all season, essentially, uh, at 66 to one, they finished around the a 64 And the biggest blemish on our six pack of picks was my pick of Maryland at 40 to one Uh, head coach, Mark Turgeon decided to quit um, middle of the season uh, or preseason, even like before they got the conference play, still not sure why that happened or, or what his deal was, but that's never great for a futures bet. So that's what we did last year. Uh, I feel like we should do another six pack. Hopefully uh my goal is to get everyone in the tournament this year. But I also—that's a good goal. <laughs> in saying that, though, I'm I'm only going long shots at this point. I think I might have one, depending because we, we kind of ping ponged and drafted these last year. So, um, since I had an elite eight team, um, I'll go first. How about that? Um, that works. And then you can go. So, um, and these are all numbers. Um, you can find probably a big mixture of them across different books, depending on who's been taking more bets apparently. Uh, But as of, so I I was looking really as of the opening day of the season uh, and my first selection for uh, my title future will be, I'm going to go, I guess I'll save a little bit longer. I mean, these are long shots. I'll I'll put it that way, but I really like uh, the Auburn tigers at 66 to one. Um, I'm a little nervous about the uh, impending FBI scandal investigation (laughs) and things of that nature. I I hate when that happens, Uh, you know, but that also is impacting Arizona uh, and a couple other teams that are on this list, Kansas uh, being one of the the largest ones out there. Um, And I just really like what Bruce Pearl has done with a team in Auburn that, I mean, they play a helter skelter style and it's really scary at times, but they also, that's how you run away and beat teams uh handily um and I, I feel like they're the home court advantage on the planes looks really good to me um I feel like it's only getting better because they fill out that gym no matter who's playing Um, uh, and I gotta say I really like what Bruce Pearl has he's got a final four at Auburn that's on, on his list on his mantle piece so far um and I really like a lot of the talent that Auburn returns they have a really deep set of backcourt or guards in that backcourt um, They certainly lost a lot lost a big nba talent but uh, i really like that the combination the helter skelter style and i think they can blow out a lot of good teams um and if they do that they can go on a deep run at 66 to one
0: i don't hate it uh it's i i think the the odds of it of that hitting are about 66 to one so i, I don't know that it's like incredible value i i would be shocked sure. if if this was a uh a final four team but Crazier things have happened. And they're like, they, it, there were times last year where it looked like they were, you know, like borderline elite. So they're, they're, like you said, helter skelter is probably a good, a good word for them. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what I'll get from them day in, day out. So uh, a, a bold play. Thank you. I, I'm i going to be uh, less bold in my first play. And I'm going to play one of your teams from last year. And I'm going to play the Houston Cougs. Um, this this team was so close a year ago and feels like they're not a whole lot different than they were last year. I, I don't know if you get the same vibe from them, but this this is a team that that is returning as much as anyone. Uh, they are incredibly, incredibly well coached. Like Kevin Sampson may be like a top five coach in the country. And like when when there's not investigations hitting him. Uh the the Cougars did lose Josh Carlton, they lose Fabian White to all conference guys. Uh Kyle Edwards was second team uh, all all conference, so they they lost some, but it does. it just feels like they're still the same. They're still the same team, which I don't know how that can be the case. They bring in Malik Wilson from Texas Tech, which certainly helps uh you know kind of offset that. The only concern I really have is the shooting. I, I don't think it's great they they just got hit with Zone constantly last year and they can't hit shots so that's not really great uh it's great that they offensive rebound and that that certainly helps but somebody's gonna have to hit some shots for this team but if they can find any kind of consistent shooting from anyone I think this is this is, they, this team's got everything they
1: need to win a title I respect it. I like it. Um, I'm I'm less worried. I think about their shooting. Uh, I feel like it comes in droves, and they're so good defensively that they eventually just get a lot of easy shots. And I think that helps their percentages. They also offensive rebound the heck out of the basketball. And if they uh, miss more shots, that means more chances to clean the glass. So I really like Houston. Um, they're pretty much team. I'm I'm looking so far away from fading and like beginning of the season and really throughout the whole AAC to run. I feel like. They're going to be double digit favorites in a lot of games, which could get you to a, a really high win total, which might get you a big seed and make that 30 to one really useful. And that, that's kind of my strategy with, with futures and, and kind of what I'm throwing out there is, is teams that I think can get a, a high seed. And then, well, once you get in the tournament, it's it's a matchups game, of course. But uh ultimately we can see where that all goes once you get in there. So uh with my next pick, I'm gonna go with the Purdue Boilermakers at 75 to one. Uh Zach Eady returns. There's a little bit of uh cohesion concerns, certainly on the outside, also Purdue's falling on its face a lot in the tournament doesn't make me feel great. Uh, but I like Matt painter, I think better than, uh, than most. And I, I love the combination of Edie with Mason Gillis at the four position stretching the floor. Um, I think, First, their their freshman from last year who is really highly touted. I think he'll be on display a little bit more. And I almost feel a little bit better that Purdue doesn't have two five men that are or two big men bigs that are really can't play together, but also need to be on the floor a certain amount of time. And I think they can be a lot more dynamic with their offense this year. So I'm gonna go Purdue 75 to one as my second selection. And as I said, I'm going long shots here.
0: All right, I'm gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go again. Not a totally long shot. In fact, not a long shot at all. I'm gonna go with the Baylor Bears, uh, who I think are again kind of like Houston. They did have some key guys leave, I mean, they, namely Akinjo uh, and, and Sohan, but they they keep reloading. And this is a team it, now it, bringing in Caleb Lone or bringing in uh, Jalen Bridges from West Virginia, who's a, a, a tough guy, a gritty guy, and on top of that, suddenly Baylor is like a they're recruiting at like Duke, Kentucky levels. So their incoming freshman class is incredible as well. Uh, but Scott Drew has really turned this thing into a like a legit premier program. Um, i It feels like if it weren't for covid, this team could have gone back to back. And, you know, last year, obviously a little bit down, but they lost so much last year. I I think that this team, the, the, I guess the, the concern is that the front court depth is going to be a little less than it was. And this is a team that they've got a lot of guys that seem to constantly be injured, uh, which isn't ideal. Right. Uh, But it, so, but injuries are kind of a crap shoot anyway. Like who, who knows? Uh, and then they don't really have a true point guard, which bothers me. Some come tournament time. Um, uh, it it feels like Flagler is going to be good enough to get things through the regular season, but I don't know what happens come tournament time when he's up against the other premier guards. So, But other than that, I, I like everything about this team. I like the way they're built. Uh, I like their coaching, and I, that's something that these teams have in common, these, these solid coaches. That That's half the battle, I feel like, is not having a bozo coach. So uh, I like Baylor here for for my second future.
1: Yeah, don't hate it. Uh, they did, of course, enter the tournament as a one seed last year based on a resume they built before they kind of fell apart due to exactly. injury. Um, hopefully, that will be a little bit better this year, but uh, only time, of course, will tell. And now for the longest of the long shots, I know that uh, they've already been pretty long so far. I really like the Memphis Tigers at 100 to one odds. Um, they are actually cleared and through uh, the clearinghouse through the NCAA, um, all the James Wiseman stuff is out the door, so we don't have to worry about them missing the tournament due to suspension or something of that nature. Uh, and at 101, Memphis, certainly they're bringing in a, a, a whole roster of new players, uh, but I feel like in this type of game, everyone is bringing in transfers, so it doesn't make any, really a huge amount of difference. Um, certainly, I want a, a team that's played together for a while, but I do like a mixture of, of experience that's still on the Memphis roster, of course, via transfer, uh, but then also bringing in some really, really big time players like Kendrick Davis from SMU. Um, and of course, there's always a Lawson brother at Memphis. Um, so that's that's always great to see. Uh, and so I'm going to go Memphis 100 to one as my uh, last pick of my future. I feel like they could go on a big run. Maybe if they get a win against Houston, I uh, played pretty well against them last year, if I remember co- correctly. Uh, that potentially gets them a good spot in the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, that their crowd's going to travel wherever they go. All right, I like that.
0: Actually, I, I don't think that's a bad call. I, I, but again, that's that goes against me saying I like good coaches, and I think that <laughs> that's the yes. the bugaboo with Memphis is I, I just don't trust their coach. Sure, uh, I am going to go with Creighton for my last one, and there's a bunch of again, like you said, there's a bunch of numbers out there. Uh, Thirty to one kind of kind of seems to be about in the middle. Okay, and for me, I'm counting on the the three freshmen that they had last year to all take another step. They were all so good last year. Ryan Nimhard, Trey Alexander, and Arthur Kaluma. Uh if those three guys can take that natural step and then you add in uh Baylor Shireman, who they brought in from South Dakota State, and Ryan Kaltbrenner, who's like the the heart of the defense, I guess you would say. Uh you've got a, a really elite starting five. And you know, you just hope that some of the uh, Sharif Mitchell, who's uh, used to be a starter, you assume he'll uh, he'll he'll kind of fall into the the backup role behind Nimhard now. But they, they've got guys who if they've got anybody on that team that can add a little bit of uh, bench scoring, I think they're going to be really strong. This was a team that just got so much better as the season went on. Uh, remember, they were replacing everything. So this was a brand new team last year. And as the season went on, they just seemed to gel. And I think having an off season together. And again, those three guys taking that natural transition as sophomores. I think this is a really dangerous team. They're incredibly defensive focused. They shoot well. Uh, I, I like everything
1: about these. And again, I, I like the coach. So uh, what do you think of the Jays? I uh, love their home court advantage, one of the strongest out there. Really hard to go uh into middle America and get a win, as uh John Rossine loves to say. Um, but I I mean hoping that Coach makes sure he doesn't say anything explicitly racist to his team in the locker room uh, (laughs) at the end of the season and really make everyone want want to stop playing for him. But they were so good in the NCAA tournament last year. I don't know if, if the Kalk runner injury was really kind of like knocked them out. I feel like that was towards the end of the game where they were starting to struggle. Um, but it might have actually been in the a game they won and then they didn't have him for the next one and were kind of uh out of bullets in the gun. No,
0: they, they remember he they he uh he got hurt in the San Diego State game. Okay. Uh and they were already without Nimhard. So they, they were down to like basically six guys in, in that game against Kansas. So that's that's a tough game to win but in of course kansas you may you may recall they ended up having a pretty good tournament run but uh but creighton gave them hell with just six guys so uh that's it i i agree with you i think like that that injury was well i guess those two injuries that's really
1: kind of what sealed their fate yeah i i mean i'm looking forward to them this year i I think what we're doing and i think it makes a lot of sense is is taking i mean some long, sh- some shots are longer than others uh, from the selection so far, but ultimately just trying to find a way to get some value with some teams that might overplay their current numbers and get a good seed and then see what happens and see who's hot and uh, who runs into St. Peter's or something like that uh, in this NCAA tournament. All right. Well, there you go. There are our future bets.
0: Uh, tail cautiously. As <laughs> we just said, none of these hit
1: last year. But what, do you want what me you to... Would you like me to summarize them just before we move on? I'll sure. Go. My so my three are Auburn sixty six to one, Purdue seventy five to one, Memphis one hundred to one, and then uh, AJ's are Houston thirty to one, Baylor fourteen to one, and Creighton thirty to one. Um, so go get them. Uh, see if you can find. You might even find better numbers than what we uh, are listing out there. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, see I'm seeing I'm it. seeing forty
0: five to ones on Creighton, but it's just like okay. it, The most common numbers are thirty to one. So I, I'm just trying to yeah. give the people a, a fair. Uh, assessment of what it is, but yeah, certainly shop for the best price. All right, uh, this last pod we went over some games, and boy, were we uh, off on Ooh. on some of these games! Like the, the ones that I was, I felt the most confident in were Gonzaga and Villanova, both who uh, Villanova, I shouldn't say laid an egg. Uh, they we're in a, in a close game that uh, they probably should have won, uh, if not for some late officiating shenanigans love that but they, they, they were never going to cover already yeah they were never going to cover that game it didn't feel like so and then but gonzaga listen i don't know playing on that boat what it was but that was just that was an odd game uh if you told me in again in hindsight playing on the boat is probably what makes that thing go a million points under the total but that total was in the 140s, and it's like, God, Michigan State-Gonzaga total at 140-something? It, it just feels like a trap. But some weird shooting stuff, people complaining about the the shots all kind of just fading off to the left on the free throw line. Uh, but either way, Gonzaga gets the win, survives, but never had a chance to cover that game. And, and I don't know if that says more about Michigan State or Gonzaga, uh, but we will talk about both those teams this week. Uh, as we've got a couple of these, well, at least one the the big uh, sort of preseason tournament, this uh, one day doubleheader with with Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, and Champions uh, Classic, yeah, yeah, the Champions Classic, uh, and in Kansas. So let's go ahead and jump into those games. Uh, let's start with the first one of the day, which is the uh, the the Kentucky Michigan State game and we're going to project this line because we don't have it yet at Kentucky minus six what do you think of uh, Kentucky and Sparty
1: well so I didn't get to offer thoughts on Michigan State um, but I mean of course it's perfect to do that here I was pretty impressed I mean they played and honestly I thought they could have won that game and beaten Gonzaga which is not something I usually expect from them to do I'll admit Um, they're Really, I mean, I think we've talked about this on on pod number one is that a lot of times they're outclassed in in the the times they run up against the best teams in the country, especially early in the season, and then they get better as it gets later. Uh, I was pretty impressed, I thought, by Michigan State from what I saw. Um, Gonzaga maybe aren't as strong as they have been in the past, but they just reload. So I feel like that's not really a thing. Um, I really love what I saw from Sissoko inside uh, bothering Drew Timmy. Maybe Drew Timmy had a bad night. He's a little seasick um maybe the the mustache was a little too long or something like that i'm not sure exactly what the problem was but i i came away really impressed uh by michigan state and i gotta say um from watching kentucky they f- i feel like always a good team but I, I feel like the kentucky teams the last two seasons when everyone's playing the portal um they haven't been as strong as i kind of expected them do, do you feel that way about kentucky right now i do yeah i i, I feel that
0: way as well uh i guess it's hard to say that though, because they did get Oscar Shibway in the portal and he's obviously been a, a really key guy, yep. but for for the most part, it doesn't seem like Cal is playing the game as, as, as well as some of his, uh, his counterparts.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, to your number, I lean to Michigan state. I, I definitely have a lot of history that I'm not <laughs> trying to get too deeply into that one, but um certainly at your number that that's the only way I could consider playing this game. So I, I
0: I kind of agree with you, but I worry because we, I mean, listen, part of our handicap last week was Michigan state doesn't play well early on. It's, it's not unusual. And, uh, but they, they really impressed me in that Gonzaga game. They had several opportunities to win it. Uh, Here's the things that have to get better for Michigan state. Joey Hauser has to be better. First of all, like he's, he's kind of, he's got to be almost their key guy. And he stunk in that game uh, to put it nicely. And they've got to shoot better from outside though that could just be an effect of playing on that ship. So I, I don't know. With Kentucky, I'm curious to see if we get any of Oscar shibway who coming into the season, they said he had a minor knee procedure uh, and he was not not in a situation where he was going to miss any time. There was no threat of him missing any time. Well, they've played two games. He's played zero minutes. So I don't know what that says about, how the procedure went if you know if it's a pain tolerancing if they just decided well we're playing two games that we're not going to need oscar uh and they didn't but i think he's a, a key factor in a in a physical game like having the most physical guy uh could go a long way for them what it has done is playing without oscar and not going through oscar in the paint on offense has led kentucky to rely a little more on their outside shooting and in their first two games they're 22 of forty three. From three points. Uh, that's a, an absurd number for a Kentucky mm-hmm. team. Uh, Severe Wheeler missed the first game, came back against Duquesne. So I guess he's healthy now. Uh, I like that Sparty has already played a tough game, but I wonder if being such a big dog and coming so close and having so many chances to win and losing by one point, if there's like a just a, a letdown spot there. I could see a meh game out of Michigan State, but based on what I saw them do against Gonzaga, it's six, if it's six, that's gonna be a big number. Uh from I, I won't wanna play Kentucky,
1: but I'm I'm also a little nervous about Michigan State in the spot. Long, long travel from uh, a ship in the middle of the uh Pacific harbor um so definitely something to consider there as well potentially some tired legs um would be a concern but I think to your physical point I I think Sissoko can push I mean not push him around Shibway but I think he will test that knee out pretty early to make sure that it's healthy if he's even available slash yeah I wonder if Kentucky might even say I don't know if this is the game for you to come back in it because Michigan State are just going to try to beat us up as much as possible because that's what they're doing
0: there's just a lot of questions in this game, so it's probably one that you watch and and try not to put any money down on would be my suggestion. Let's talk about the other matchup in this tournament, Kansas against Duke. We're looking at Kansas as about two-point favorites here, and these are two teams who are clearly replacing a lot, but obviously with a lot of incoming young talent. Kansas lost four of their top five from last year's team, Jalen Wilson's their experience and he's averaged 20 and 10 so far. So that's, I'd say that it's good experience. Uh, but the guy that's impressed me so far with Kansas is the five-star wing, Grady Dick. Great. name. he's going, he's going to be a problem. Uh, he lit it up against Omaha. He is really smooth, really good shooter. And Obviously it's gonna be a different story against Duke, but and with Duke, the they've got the top recruit in the country, Derek Lively. He sat out the first game, made his debut in the second, very limited minutes. Um, but I would guess that the fact that he played makes me think he'll have a, a more expanded role in this game. Uh Jeremy Roach is the veteran presence for this Duke team, though they haven't asked much of him because they've had a couple blowout wins. He's gone in, done his duty, and then they've they've gotten some some work for the depth. Uh, I lean to the devils here and mostly for this reason, I assume they're going to be the more defensive minded team. And if I think it's a coin flip type game early in the season, when I I think it takes a while for offense to get into a rhythm, I like these teams that are more defensively focused. So I, I lean to Duke getting a couple points here. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think I feel the same way. Uh, The underdogs always are interesting to me in these neutral court events, especially because even when these teams are – there's a bigger gap between them. I feel like some of these games tend to play really close Um, and and really isn't a great indicator on how the rest of the year will go either. Um, But, you know, sometimes – I mean, if you're getting a couple points on a neutral, that's a really nice spot to be in. I also wonder the impact of Bill Self not being on the sideline and his top assistant who are out, I believe, the first four games. Uh, They've only played two so far. So um, I do wonder how that'll – I mean, and then, of course, on the other bench, Coach K not being there anymore and John Shire – not getting to just get every call when he yells at the officials and they say, you're right, you've been doing this longer than I have. So you're probably right. You know what the call is. I I guess that's the only way I can explain why Duke got such a home field advantage or home court advantage even on the road or at neutral sites so much in the past. Um, But yeah, I I think any sort of underdog uh, on the Duke side is where I'm leaning. Uh, It's really weird for me to see Kevin McCuller in the Kansas lineup, I got to say, but um, it's really weird still that you can transfer in conference and how often it's happening. But um, I think there's um, a decent backcourt there for KU with Dewan Harris and also with Yusufu from, uh, the, I think it was a Creighton transfer or a uh, Drake transfer, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. and, and Wilson, of course, has been really good to start. Um, might be one of those watch and see type type matchups though, because Duke is always young. And uh, I think we have some questions about their coaching staff
0: all right let's check out a a matchup i know will be near and dear to you uh and take a look at gonzaga and texas and we're going to call texas a two-point favorite here i imagine money comes on gonzaga because that's the way these things tend to work indeed but uh, here's my thoughts on this texas team and i mentioned uh in the in the you know, the the first part of this show when we we're talking about the, the futures, I mentioned what I liked about Creighton was those those three freshmen and just sort of a natural progression for those three guys. Their their second year, I guess it's kind of the same way for Texas to me, because this was a team that had probably the I shouldn't even say probably they had absolutely the most success in the transfer portal. Like they got all the prize pigs in the transfer portal, the problem was none of them were very good, other than I guess Timmy Allen. Uh, but Marcus Carr has to be way better than he is, uh, th- th- than he was. Like it just wasn't nearly good enough. Christian Bishop has to be, be- better. Uh, D'Sou has to be better. Like these, th- it was expected that they were like putting together an all-star team, and it just never came. Uh, the concern I but I think a second year in the program, uh, I, I think that it can be you know it'll it'll be a natural progression. like I said, uh, adding in Tyrese Hunter, adding in a top five freshman and Dylan Mitchell. I, I think that, that this obviously defensively you're not gonna have any questions. This team is going to defend. My biggest concerns are the offensive end. and this is a team that did not shoot the ball well last year. And then they lost their three best shooters in Rainey and uh, Fabris and, and Jones all gone. So who shoots the ball? I don't know who, I I don't know where the scoring comes from. They're going to have to win a lot of ugly, grimy, grinded out games. That seems like a tough task against this Gonzaga team who, again, we talked about them in depth last week, but coming off a, a, maybe a muffled offensive performance again, partly because of the ship, I think, but I don't really know. I It just feels like it might be hard for this Texas team to keep up for a full game with what Gonzaga can do offensively. What do you think about?
1: Yeah, so it's a little uh, Texas alum here. Get that out of the, the way so everyone knows. But um, it's going to be, a, I mean, the biggest environment for sure at the new arena that got put in, um, other than hearing it was a very white court. Uh, I didn't get a ton of feedback because we've been playing The Sisters of the Blind so far, um, and all of the games are on Longhorn Network. And somehow I'm like blacked out from getting that. I don't know how. I just can never seem to connect. Um, (laughs) Just really nice thing as an alum, of course. uh, But you know, that's added to the list. Um, I'm concerned uh, about Chris Beard. I got to say, like he was the home run hire, and of course, is someone that I'm very happy to have on campus on the 40 acres. But um, I just haven't really seen. A lot from him ever since the long texas tech tournament run i had a future on them that year and i had a really good time riding them all the way to the championship game and nearly cashing a a 125 to one that would have probably just i should have quit right then but it didn't win so um and ultimately i just feel like when i when i look at the texas offense as you mentioned it's always a concern for me Uh, i feel like the defense has kind of been figured out the no middle um is employed by a lot of teams and as you mentioned Gonzaga can score uh i'm not going to really downgrade them too much from the performance on the ship uh they got a win i think that's what was most important and if they're an underdog here in austin uh crowd crowds have been better for football games this year it's always been a, a concern. Concern for me for for ut sporting events is that we don't generally have a lot of home field or home court advantage but uh, i lean to the zags as an underdog for sure
0: yeah i think that's where i'm looking as well i I think this texas team again will get better as the year goes on i just think you have to see who's going to be able to shoot you know and how, how these newcomers hunter and mitchell specifically fit in uh defensively so if marcus carr turns back into minnesota marcus carr I think you're going to you're, there's going to be a problem. Like th- th- this Texas team could be really good. And Allen is like he's a mid-range guy that just doesn't shoot threes. Uh and I don't think that he when he has shot them I don't think he shot them very successfully. So uh I, I, they're just going to have to find offense from somewhere and like you said, it's hard to tell if they've found it or not because the teams that they've played have provided no resistance. So maybe this Texas team has taken a real step I think eventually they like we see we see this Texas. I think Texas has like Sweet 16, maybe even Elite Eight potential. Uh, but I do think that against a team like Gonzaga, it's going to be tough for them to hang. All right, for our last game, we will look at an interesting clash of styles here, and I am two and zero betting Iowa so far against the spread because Iowa historically dominates these buy games with like 20 something point spreads. They just yeah. go out there and they take shits on bad teams and they have done it twice so far. Won't be an opportunity to do that against this Seton Hall team who I have gone two and O betting Seton Hall unders this year. So, uh, so my most successful betting uh, trends have been out of this game. And I don't know that I can play either of them. I don't know that I want to play an under in an Iowa game, and I certainly don't know if I want to play Iowa against a a team with a pulse here in Seton Hall. This Seton Hall team is just a – I mean, they're grown men, and that's been kind of my my handicap so far with them is that the two games that they played were against teams that had very little experience. And uh, Monmouth, was, if you remember, they, they were basically – like everybody left they have almost exclusively freshmen like incoming freshmen on that team super young team and I I was like they're just not gonna be able to hold up against these grown men same thing with St. Peter's you know this isn't the same St. Peter's team as last year everybody left uh, you know uh when Shaheen Holloway left and he's done a really good job at Seton Hall making these grown men play like grown men and I don't know if Again, this is another team. I don't know if they've got the offense to be a great team, but they're going to make every game ugly and they're going to be in every game. Whereas Iowa, I've kind of said, I, I it, you know, this McCaffrey kid seems really good. You, you can't lose like a top five pick and not have a drop off, right. but Chris Murray feels really like, like a, a very serviceable replacement for his, his brother, uh, Rebrach is playing well inside. Like they've they've got a lot of good parts. Um, the the question is when they get into a a dogfight, if they like if they can't you know be front running by thirty points, what do they do? And who I guess the question in this game is who wins the tempo fight? Is it a is it an Iowa game or a Seton Hall game? Uh I tend to lean to it being a Seton Hall game, but. I, just because this is a a team in Iowa that again hasn't had a lot of games like this, I, I feel like they may they may have a hard time adjusting to the uh, the style here of Seton Hall. What do you think? And uh, could you remind me the number you're
1: projecting the the AJ Swami? Uh, the AJ Swami line is Hall minus two. Yeah, um, at home. I I feel like Newark. Um, it's not exactly a basketball arena i mean it sort of is but i think the devils really are are what's there but seen Hall gets a pretty good crowd there um i think we've both commented a lot on iowa uh last year all over the podcast and really just iowa going back for a long time they've really struggled on the road because the the offense isn't the same and they don't seem to play a lot of defense but this year i feel like in looking at their team i'm more concerned about where the offense is coming from maybe they're a little bit better defensively um they have been in the past but um, I, I like the grown man uh, syndrome or, or them pushing around an Iowa team. It looks like they're still trying to figure out where to go. Joe Toussaint left for West Virginia. You mentioned um, Murray going to the, the pros. And, and I feel like there's a lot of holes in this Iowa team. They might be blowing teams out at home that they're supposed to to beat, but uh, it feels like a pretty small number for me at Seton Hall. So I lean that way, certainly at home. Uh, Please use the promo code bounce 20 get 20% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast good for seven days from podcast release you can buy uh either AJ or my season long packages up on the pregame.com website as well as plenty of other great handicappers um, best elite best in the business that you could find given out college football plays uh regular pro football plays pro basketball plays if you're looking for McKenzie Rivers AJ's always got UFC cards out there as well if you like to see people get their arms broken uh, killed the UFC this weekend killed it i'm glad to hear that good for you uh and and my soccer stuff is coming out uh keep your eyes peeled for a world cup contest that we're putting together as well uh and that'll be I mean, it's got to get going soon because we're, we're starting on Sunday, just a week from today. So uh, get ready. We got a lot coming through pregame.com and use the promo code bounce Two Zero for 20% off for all listeners. Of this college basketball podcast. All
0: right, let's get into best bets uh, where we went. zero and two to start the season, exactly how we projected. We would start the season. Not, that's not true. Uh, but Clemson just no showed in the first half against South Carolina And by the time they fought back, uh, they tied the game with, I think, like three seconds left. And I was like, oh, we're going to overtime and winning. And South Carolina somehow got a bucket with one second left on the clock and won the game outright. Uh, We had Clemson early as one, one point favorites, and the line closed at like three and a half. So we had good closing line value. But you know what? You can't eat closing line value, as they say. Uh, So loser for me, start out. And I think you're you had the zips in the uh, the first game. I didn't catch that game.
1: How how close were you? Was it a uh, or did you just have a bad cap? It was back and forth for a lot of the first half. And Mississippi State pulled away towards the end. And uh, unfortunately, Akron was, I think, running out seven healthy bodies. And they got worn down pretty quickly. And unfortunately, I think I was watching on the Barstool Invitational, which was actually very entertaining. Uh, didn't go into that with the high expectations, but uh, I, I liked what I saw for the most part. Um, and uh, except for the the result, of course. So not happy to start 0-2, but uh, nowhere to go but up. And I'd rather start uh, the climb from the bottom rather than starting, starting at the top of the mountain, if you if you will. All right,
0: I will start us off this week, and I'm going to go with Santa Clara, plus eight at Utah State. And I don't I, – listen, we just talked about it with Iowa. You can't lose a lottery pick and not feel it, and I get that. And Jalen Williams is a big loss. Santa Clara doesn't have a lot of lottery picks coming through there. But they dropped 30-something spots from kinpom from last year's finish, and. This Herb Sendak is all about maximizing what he has. And what he has is a couple of high-end transfers. you got Carlos Marshall from Tennessee State and Brandon for who is kind of an undiscovered gem, is what people think about him, uh, from Illinois. He just wasn't getting on the floor in Illinois. And so far, he's looked incredible. But they have high-end size everywhere. Uh, And that might be a problem for Utah State, who, if you remember last year, defensively, they had a drop-off after uh, Kata left. Who I mean, they had like the dominant rim protector in in, like the western half of the United States for three years, and then he left. Justin Bean and Brandon Horvath held their own, but now they're gone too, and they don't really have anyone to replace those guys. They've got a couple like tall bodies, but they're not useful. Like they're they're role playing parts is what they are. Uh, the the guy that they the size that they did bring in, namely Taylor Funk, is a lot more useful on offense than defense. It just feels like eight points is a lot for a really well coached team and a team that can drain some three pointers. So I'll take Santa Clara plus eight. I think they're being undervalued uh based on losing a, a high end player
1: like Jalen Williams here. I'm going to go with St. Louis minus two. Uh, They're hosting the Memphis Tigers, who I mentioned as a long shot of all long shots on our futures portion of this episode. Um, But I really like St. Louis. I feel like they have done a really incredible job in a portal system, Travis Ford specifically, of keeping what talent he had and, and adding to it. Um, Memphis, I still feel like they're going to need to gel. They're going to need to work together and kind of figure out how to play together. And as AJ mentioned already on this episode, uh, trust and Penny to put it all together is a big, big concern. So I'm going to give out St. Louis minus two uh home game. And then also, um, to to go off uh, 20% off for all our listeners, please use the promo code Bounce20. Get 20% off for all listeners of this podcast. Good for seven days from podcast release. Bounce20. Get 20% off anything on the pregame.com website. All right. That is going to do it for
0: our second episode of the 2022-23 season. Um, best of luck to all of you out there. Enjoy this week of college basketball. Some better games than we had this weekend, certainly. So uh, hopefully we've got some some nice matchups, uh, at least to watch that, because outside of that Michigan State game, the Michigan State Gonzaga game, there wasn't a lot of fun basketball to watch this last weekend. So uh, hopefully this week is a little bit better, but we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us. Uh, We will be back later on this week with a a Thursday night episode, Friday morning release I don't Thursday, Friday ish uh, for this upcoming weekend's games and hopefully recapping some best bet winners. Griffin, appreciate the time, my friend. And uh, thanks to you guys for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Good luck.